All right, we're back with another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Schmelk, Meadow, you, 201-939-4513. I'm about over my cold. I think Lance is still in the middle of his. It's uh, slowly coming around. Yes. yes. But we'll be with you, and we're not going to do a full-throated Cowboys-Giants preview today because you'll have the same duo on Monday prior to the game. Sincere apologies, we'll, uh, Yes, way. exactly. Yes. Well, Vicky Spagnolo from DallasCowboys.com will join us on Monday. So we'll kind of talk around Giants issues here today, and we'll do a little bit on the game, obviously, too. But first, I want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464. For more details, I have not been on since the Leonard Williams trade has been finalized. I don't think Lance has either. We talked about it briefly, and you could talk about free agent after the year, the value you gave up for that. That's a separate conversation, but let's just talk about the player first in general, Lance. And I was just talking about this with Bob Papa, and honestly, is Leonard Williams now the best defensive player on the Giants? Well, you could argue in terms of track record, he probably is. I mean, what, Jack Rabbit, maybe? Jack Rabbit in terms of the secondary. I guess I was thinking more of the front seven uh, no, well, I think, slash defensive well, line. I think that's easy. Yeah. I think that answer is easy. the most proven commodity. Well, I'm talking entire defense. If you take into consideration the entire defense, I'd probably give the edge to Janoris Jenkins. Also, I mean, keep in mind, a guy like Antoine Bethea's been in the league a lot longer than him. Experience so, doesn't mean better. Lance. No, experience doesn't, but I'd give that a slight amount of credit given the fact that you've been exposed to a variety of different offenses compared to some of these other players. If, you, if you're so. picking players for this defense, 1 through 11. and No, I'm not saying that you would rank them ahead, but I, I think at this stage, let's also not forget, Leonard Williams has only been in the league since 2015, which it's when five you put years. things in perspective, eh, you know, he's a young veteran. Some other guys, I would say that, you know, that's still a relatively... Oh, oh, that's just, just outside, outside the draft. All right, right so that's just go, outside go. the draft. I don't think that's a very big sample size. I wouldn't calculate that as a huge thing. But, yeah, I would definitely put him in the top three in terms of most polished, most experienced players. I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see how they balance the snaps. And this is my whole thing. Between Williams, Lawrence... Tomlinson and Hill because all three guys will kind of rotate in those three interior defensive lineman spots in your base three four so in your sub package if you have two interior linemen on the field with two edge rushers when you're in that nickel or dime they're going to be rotating for two spots now we've seen Leonard Williams with the Jets line up a defensive end will the Giants do that when they go to sub package you don't see many 305 pound defensive ends running away running around you just don't so I think it'll be interesting to see how they split those snaps up because they really did add a player at a position that was already a position of strength for them. Well, it's a good thing to be in in terms of the position of being able to rotate players. So, you know, whoever has to sacrifice snaps, I don't think it's necessarily harmful in the long run. If anything, guys will be fresher in the fourth quarter. And I think you could very well see him on the edge a few times. I don't think it's going to be a regular basis, but... Could James Betcher look at how other teams have utilized him, how other coordinators have utilized him? I don't think that's crazy at all. Remember, keep in mind, Leonard Williams played under Todd Bowles. Who taught James Betcher? Todd Bowles in Arizona. There's a triangle here between all three of these pieces. It would not surprise me, and I'm sure James Betcher's probably been having some conversations with Leonard Williams going back to his Jets days, saying, hey, you know, how did Todd utilize you? What worked? Where were you comfortable? Where did you think you had the most success? And then I'm sure they'll adopt some of those principles. So, you know, you can't overlook the history of the player who has been connected to somebody that has worked with James Betcher. I think that's a very interesting aspect. And the other thing to keep in mind with Leonard Williams, and he brought this up when he spoke to the media a few days ago, this just goes to show you stats alone don't tell the whole story about a player. I'm not saying that Leonard Williams could have had about 15 more sacks over the course of his career, but I think he did bring up a fair point. He's getting consistent pressure this season. He's just not getting home necessarily for the sack, and sometimes that's a result of the quarterback getting rid of the football. It's a result of a penalty that may have been picked up that negated a sack. You know, the pressures have been there, which to me is extremely encouraging. It's the same thing if a quarterback is not aggressive versus too aggressive. You could determine, all right, if it's quarterback too aggressive you can at least hone him in as opposed to a quarterback that likes to shy away from pressure it's very difficult to teach that I look at Leonard Williams the same way the pressure is there now it's just a matter of finding ways to open things up for him to consistently finish yeah to get there quicker yeah, or to force exactly. the quarterback to hold the ball 
And I think that's kind of been a theme for most of his career. He hasn't racked up a lot of sack numbers. 17 sacks in four and a half seasons. It's not overwhelming. But if you look at the pro football focus stats for hurries and quarterback hits, tackles for loss in the run game, he's in the upper echelon of interior defensive linemen. So is he, you know, Aaron Donald or Fletcher Cox or Geno Atkins? No, he's not at that level, but he's on that level right below those guys simply because he doesn't get home quite as much as the other guys in that group. But I hope the defense will make him better as they go on and take the Cowboys offense. And, and Lance, this is kind of what I, I'm not sure if it posted yet, but it'll post at some point questions for the Giants in the second half of the year. And really, it's getting down to the point here where unless this Giants defense cleans up their act, none of this other stuff is going to matter. And really, you narrow it down to uh, two really simple problems. Third down pass defense and big plays. They cannot get teams off the field on third down, and they allow too many big plays. And until those two things get fixed for this Giants team, nothing is going to change in terms of winning football games because they're facing an offense on Monday that is literally... Tops in the league in yards per game. Tops in the league in yards per play. I think they're third or fourth in passing. Third or fourth in rush. They do everything well. They got a good offensive line. They got good wide receivers. They got a good running back. Dak Prescott leads the NFL in ESPN's QBR rating. He's having the best year of his career. Looks like a top 10 level quarterback. They are really, really good offensively. And we saw what the Lions did to this defense last week. It's going to be worse. Well, as you mentioned, they're a top five unit in just about every important statistical category on the offensive side of the ball. Plus, all you need to do is go look back at week one. Now, you want to tell me, well, there wasn't a lot of film on either team? The bottom line is I think the Cowboys prove that they have a plethora of weapons, to your point, and Dak Prescott does not mind spreading the wealth. And, oh, keep in mind, Zeke coming into week one was, remember, coming off that lengthy holdout. Not to say that that's an excuse. They didn't really need him because they had so much success through the air. But now you're seeing Ezekiel Elliott who is far more into the season than he was back in week one. I think he's much more comfortable, and I think it's almost like the equivalency now of him going through a training camp, so you have to take that into consideration. Yeah, uh, until the defense cleans up the big explosive plays. James Betcher spoke to the media today, and the one thing he said he wasn't on wasn't very happy about was obviously the explosive plays because it becomes a continuous theme and to your point it also showed up against in Detroit you had two 40 plus yard touchdowns by the Lions one by Marvin Hall another one by Kenny Galladay yes I understand there was a trick play in one of them but the bottom line is an explosive play is an explosive play Mm -hmm. it makes no difference now did the Giants do a pretty good job against the Lions rushing attack yes I, I don't think the Lions run game was anything to go crazy about, but you could argue they didn't need it because they were so successful through the air. So it goes back to now you're going up against the Cowboys team that is far more effective on the ground than the Lions were, has been explosive through the air. Well, where is Dallas going to try to attack the Giants? Right now, they could pick whichever poison they choose to do so. It's up to the Giants to start dictating the tone. And it was interesting because You watched the Niners-Cardinals game last night on Thursday Night Football, and the biggest difference in that game was the inability for Arizona, John, to get off the field on third down. The Niners were 11 of 17 on third down last night, and watching that game, it was bringing back some flashes and glances of what the Giants have struggled with this season, which is what? Getting off the field on third down, preventing lengthy drives by the opposition, and also preventing explosive plays. So, yeah, they absolutely have to clean that up, and it's not going to get any easier also I would argue, in the second half of the season in terms of some of the upcoming opponents. You're going to get a Green Bay team that's been very explosive. I would not sleep on Philadelphia, even though they've had some ups and downs. Deshaun Jackson is now going to return, so that gives them another explosive weapon. So, you know, don't tell me that, oh, there's going to be the layup opportunity in the schedule for the Giants to focus on cleaning up their issues. they got to start cleaning up their issues against some of the best offenses in the NFL. Yeah, and then offensively... The other thing that has to get cleaned up if things are going to change are the turnovers. I mean, you can't simply be minus nine through eight games in the turnover ratio and expect to be any good. It's not the way the league works. They've been minus two or worse, I believe, in five of their eight games. They've been even in the turnover battle only once. I mean, Lance, it's just been really, really poor. And this is a Cowboy defense that only has nine takeaways this year. They have not taken the ball away. So... Uh, they haven't gotten the type of pressure you would think they would get on the quarterback, given, you know, Robert Quinn, Demarcus Lawrence, Malik Collins, now Michael Bennett's there too. They blitz a decent amount of the time. So 
the offense must protect the ball. A punt is okay. If you start giving opposing teams short fields or defensive scores when your defense is struggling the way it is, you're never going to have a chance to win these games. Well, and then also what makes matters worse, and we talked about this a lot on Monday when we were recapping the Lions game, not only do you give the ball away and then the opposition cashes that in for points, which has been also an absolute killer because the Giants only had one turnover in their last game against the Lions, but Devon Kennard returned it for a touchdown. So you could tell me, all right, one is not terrible. Well, one is bad if you give up seven points as a result of it. And that was the only game where they won the turnover ratio all year, by the way. Correct, but they still lost the game, though, which is just the type of story it's been for the Giants. And here's the other thing. You were pointing out that they were even in turnover differential twice this season, okay, but one of those two games they still turned the ball over four times. And that was against the Redskins. And also, the Redskins turned the ball over four times, but they also threw in a rookie quarterback for the first time this season. So more often than not, they've been in the negative, And more often than not, the opposition has turned those takeaways into points, which has to be limited moving forward here. Minus two in week one, minus two in week two, minus two against the Cardinals, minus two against the Patriots. And... The Patriots scoring on special teams and defense, and the special teams doesn't even count as a turnover, even though you should consider it the block punt, it's equivalent to a turnover there. So, you know, that's another thing connected to some of the numbers you just threw out here. Hard to win when you're minus nine, which is tied for 28th right now in the National Football League, and you have the most giveaways in the National Football League at 19. You look at the top of the league right now in turnover differential and the bottom of the league. I actually had this exact conversation this morning on Sirius XM NFL Radio. Look at the teams. All the teams at the top are in playoff contention. The teams at the bottom are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. You got the Dolphins. You have the Bengals. You have the Browns. You have the Giants at the bottom. At the top, you have the Patriots. You have the Packers. You have the Seahawks. It's no surprise. That's not a coincidence. I would argue takeaways and turnover differential is a fluky stat from year to year. Don't tell me, well, you were opportunistic one year, so it's automatically going to translate over. Case in point, the Chicago Bears, I think of the perfect example. They were unreal last season. And now you see, oh, you're not taking the way the football is often. You're not scoring as many touchdowns. Now you put more stress on your offense. But within the year, it's not fluky as long as you continue to be opportunistic. But One year to the other, we've seen it even with the Giants. One year, they're really solid, and the next year, all of a sudden, it goes back to the negative. The Cowboys, I remember a few years ago, one year, they were up there with the Texans, and then the following year, they were completely on the opposite end at the bottom of the league. It it fluctuates. You cannot hang your hat on that statistic. No question about it. Uh, So that's where the Giants are right now, folks. To me, those are the big things that are affecting both sides of the ball that are resulting in wins and losses. Of course, long-term is the progress of Daniel Jones, which part of that is turnovers and takeaways. Uh, right now, he's just a very highly volatile passer. You see some really good, great plays, and you're like, boy, this guy, he could be great. Then you see some plays like, boy, what the heck is this guy thinking? So he just needs to land to do more of the good stuff and do less of the bad stuff. I know that's a real simple way to put it, but when you're looking at a guy that's been at two very big extremes of the ledger here in terms of what the good stuff is and what the bad stuff is, You just need to balance that more in favor of good than bad. Yeah, it's about consistency. And you can really say that, John, about any young quarterback. I think the encouraging part of what Daniel Jones is going through right now is invaluable experience. And what I mean by that, whether or not the results have been positive all the time, you can't duplicate what he's getting out of being out on the field in year one. Now, if he sat, I still think it would have helped him. I don't think it would have hurt his development, but all this has done is now accelerated the process, John. So he's going through some of the struggles. He's understanding how defenses throw a different wrench your way every single week, and he's going through that. And and that, I think, is going to help him in the long run. I never think a quarterback or any player goes into a game. This is why I find it quite comical when individuals say, well, you know, he's got to do a better job of holding on to the football. As if Daniel Jones goes into the game every week saying, I hope I lose control of the football three to four times and the opposition takes control of it. Nobody's ever going into a game thinking like that. Oh, yeah, but also you do have to physically execute it better, though. 100%. But in his defense, as Pat Shermer pointed out, it's hard to sit here and fault him 
for losing the football on the one turnover against the Lions. No, that wasn't when his When he fault. was hit under those circumstances, mm-hmm. he was trying to get rid of the football. Saquon, as he admitted, could have made a much better job, in term, done a better job, excuse me, of going after the football. You know, those are going to be some circumstances going to play out. It's happened to Eli Manning, too. You know, Eli Manning goes back to throw the football in his career. He gets hit. Hey, the ball pops out. It's very hard <laughs> what my argument is to do things to prevent that. The things such as guy coming at you, John, make sure you get two hands on the football, embrace the hit so or, you don't cough it up. Or holding the ball too long. Correct. No, and those are things absolutely that you can look to improve and technique can help you get in that direction. That I have no argument with. All right, let's get to the phones at 201-939-4513. It's all brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience. Courtesy of Coors Light, text VIP to 904 for more details. Let's lead it off with Ralph in New Jersey. He's up first. What's up, Ralph? Hey, what's going on, John Lance? What's up? What's happening? Nothing much. Uh, I just got to have a couple of, couple of thoughts and a question for you guys. Sure. Uh, about Leonard Williams, uh, I keep hearing a lot of negativity or whatnot. My whole thing is I don't understand how, because bringing them in is actually going to help us. There is no way that's going to be a negative. It's not going to create any negativity for us. It's only going to create upside for us. So I don't see what's, what's the complaints about which well, is a good thing for us. I don't think the complaints are about how he helps the current team be better. I think the complaints people have had is that, well, you're already 2-6. and six. Just wait to the offseason. You can sign him as a free agent and not trade a draft pick at all. I think that's it. For, for the complaints that I've heard, that's been the primary one. Right, right, right. Yeah, I get that, but I also think like a guy that was drafted 6 overall, you would think giving up a third-round third, third round pick for him, I think that's pretty fair. You know, based off of his production or whatnot so far. But anyway. Well, remember, next- you also gave up another draft pick in fairness. It wasn't just a third-round pick. It's a fifth, which could become a fourth. So the, you really have to look at it as two draft picks, not one. Okay, yeah, yeah, I know. But anyway, my other point was about Sam Bill. How is he looking? Do you guys have any info? Is he going to start? Like, what's his snap count going to be like? Well, I'm not. He doesn't have to be activated for this game. He, they have till next Wednesday to decide whether or not they're going to activate him. I do not believe they would bench either Janoris Jenkins or uh, DeAndre Baker for Sam Beal. Unfortunately, media is not allowed access, and that includes us in-house media is not allowed access to practice during the regular season. So we really don't know how he's looking in practice. We know he has been practicing, and uh, he's advancing. He's getting better, according to the coaches and Pat Shermer, but. You know, when he's going to get activated and when he does, how much he's going to play and how good he's going to look. Uh, we're in the same situation you guys are. We just got to wait and see. Okay, okay. And uh, my last point I was trying to make, because I spoke to Paul yesterday about this, and their point was that we might use more of a 4-3 look against the Cowboys this week. My question Why? was, I'm, I'm not sure if that's affecting that, but my we'll question was, that. how hard is it to adjust? I know we use like a hybrid, you know, system anyway, but how hard is it to adjust? From a three four to a four three, is it that easy or is it hard? Like within the game or before the game? I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that analysis. So I don't, I just don't see it. I don't think a team from game to game is going to adjust what their base defense looks like. That doesn't happen. Hey, that was Paul Stake. He think we're going to use heavy four three. So I disagree. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. No problem, Ralph. Thank you. All right. I mean, what does he think he's going to put? play four down linemen with Leonard Williams at the end? Is that what he thinks is going to happen? I guess that perhaps is one of his thoughts heading in. I don't know. I didn't hear the comments. Neither did I. I I, It's hard to respond to it, but that would be my guess, that perhaps the acquisition of Leonard Williams. Keep this in mind, though. You know, putting that aside. And by the way, talking talking to Leonard Williams, he he likes to play three technique. That's his preferred position, which is defensive tackle. Which he mentioned even when he spoke to the media, too. Mm -hmm. Here's the other thing, though, that should not be overlooked. Dayon Buchanan who had familiarity with Betra's system, John, remember, we were talking about this Monday, he only played 11 plays, 17%. Now, I'm not saying that Leonard Williams can't be on the field a lot this weekend, but are we guaranteed to see him for a full allotment of plays? I mean, who's to say that he's going to play much more than Buchanan or as much as Buchanan? I don't know. A little bit easier on the defensive line, and like you like you mentioned earlier, Todd Bowles, Betcher, similar system. So yeah. I... I would say we probably see him for about 50% of the snaps. That would okay. be my guess. All right. I mean, that, I would say that that's perhaps a little bit on the high side entering his first game. I'm not saying you're wrong, but, I mean, I'm just looking once again. Buchanan, I would argue the same thing. He knew Betra's system. Things have changed a little bit since they last crossed paths in Arizona. I also think Leonard Williams is a better player. 
And once again, that's a fair claim too. I just, I'm just going to be very curious to see how much he plays. So I, the reason I bring that up, I go back to if Paul's point was Leonard Williams' arrival gives Betra reason to have an extra defensive lineman down, who's to guarantee that he's going to be out there for as many plays? That's the only thing that I'm throwing out to ignite such a drastic change up front in terms of the Giants' alignment. I mean, I just can't believe you're doing a big thing like that in one week. Or or simply just because of the acquisition of one player, too. I mean, I, I, I assume it's also... I mean, this is... He kind of made... Remember the point he made before the Viking game? He wanted to play, you know, six defensive linemen and two yeah. whatever he wanted to do. And, you know, the Vikings proceeded to throw for like 800 yards in the first <laughs> half of that game. But, um, yeah, I mean... I yeah I I get where Paul's coming from. You want to stop Ezekiel Elliott? I am hundred percent behind that. And if you put Leonard Williams at end, is it going to help you do that? Absolutely, no question. There is logic behind it. It makes sense. But I, I just it's not something you see teams do. You know, for one game, unless you're the Patriots and 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 you're Bill Belichick, you don't see teams making those sorts of huge swings in one week. Maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Paul will be right, but I, I don't see it. Yeah, where they get completely out of character and start you know, giving you new alignments and new setups that they haven't really relied on, at least in terms of the base defense. Uh, granted, you know, Betcher on different downs is going to, you know, move personnel around, but the core, the core is still a 3-4, you know, and they're relying on their linebackers to be those edge rushers to get after the quarterback, not necessarily all of a sudden guys transforming into defensive ends. So that would be a surprise. Yeah, and you would really then change the responsibilities of your edge linebackers then yeah, you know would, would Marcus Golden be a down lineman in a 4-3 then I mean Lorenzo Carter has played off the ball before I guess that would be a natural fit but if then Golden's going to be one of your ends then who's going to be your outside linebacker Zimenez and then you want him in space running around in coverage as a 4-3 outside linebacker I don't know if you want that. Yeah, well, because now you're going to have also one less linebacker in the middle of the field, and then when it comes to stopping the run or sealing the edge, guys who maybe are used to playing in the interior, John, too, could be asked to go outside. So I think it would force you to put a lot of players in new roles on a very quick turnaround, and I don't know necessarily if that's the wisest game plan. But listen, curveballs do come your way in the National Football League, so I wouldn't necessarily say it would be impossible for it to happen, but it'd be very surprising if that did play out that way against Dallas. Let's go with Phil in North Carolina. He's up next. Hey, Phil. Line three. What's going on, Phil? How are you? All right, good. Um, let me get you off uh, speakerphone. I appreciate that, Phil. Thank yes, you. Yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. How kind oh, of you. So I'm not going to talk about, yeah, I'm not going to talk about my, uh, my uh, favorite uh, uh, thing, which is positional value. I'll save that for Russ because he really loves when I talk to him about that. Uh, <laughs> I sense sarcasm, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ben, plus, we agree more than uh, the other guy. I do with the other guys. But um, I'm going to talk about the center position, and uh, I really think it's it's suffering from uh, assignments and lack of awareness. And I think it's time to put Spencer Pulley in. I wanted to know your answer or thoughts on that. Can you give an example of where you think we've seen that? Well, this year it seems like an awful lot of free runs at the quarterback inside, particularly inside. Well, well, I can tell you, uh, you, Phil, if you're specifically referencing the the play where Jones got sacked through the backwards pass last week when no one blocked Jared Davis, that was Saquon Barkley's responsibility. He said it after the game, and that was his fault. That was his man, and he vacated before he saw if he was blitzing or not, and that was on him. That's not on John Halapio. Okay, hey, but wasn't hasn't there been other times though when uh, we've had free runners at in, inside? I, I honestly uh, think we've had a lot fewer free runners this year than we had last year. To be quite honest with you. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. maybe I'm being too critical of Pio because I, I do like Spencer Pulley. I feel like he's. Uh, more knowledgeable about the game, but that may be, you know, I may be off on that. So, but but that was the main thing I wanted to. And the other thing I wish I uh, uh, that I was a little concerned about is uh, we got rid of uh, Goodson, and I think he's he was a good run stopper. And uh, last week I noticed uh, our two interior linebackers kind of over pursuing and not plugging the hole. And so I wanted to. You know, get your thoughts on, you know, not having Goodson potentially hurting us. So, 
I'll take it off the air. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, I mean, first of all, I wanted to respond to, you know, Pulley having more experience. Jalapeno's been in the NFL longer than Pulley. He may not have as much accrued seasons because he may or have not been played. correct on a roster. But, I mean, he's been around and he's been exposed to football from a professional standpoint a little bit longer than Spencer Pulley. So I don't buy the experience factor. You know, there may have been that one play that I think the caller was thinking back on the safety against the Minnesota Vikings, John, if you remember. And that was the one play where they snuck between the guards and the center, but outside of that, you know, I don't remember a breakdown by Jalapio that, you know, was above and beyond, you know, what maybe we've seen across the NFL that was such an egregious breakdown. If anything, I would argue, you know, I, I think maybe around the edge you've seen some more breakdowns than necessarily up the gut. As far as the departure of B.J. Goodson and then moving in the direction of some other personnel, that that's the reason why the Giants' defense has struggled, I don't think it's as that simple. I think that you have seen a lot of missed tackles over the course of this season, and you'd have to prove to me that if B.J. Goodson was on the field, there'd be no missed tackles. And I would say that that's a very big assumption on your part. So I don't think the lone moving on move from B.J. Goodson is the sole reason why the Giants are failing to stop the run consistently. I think a lot of it, once again, is missed tackles across the board and sometimes the inability to get home with the defensive front in, in slowing down some of these running backs because that's a big part of when the Giants were effective in stopping the run in 2016, you know, that was the year you had Snacks and you had Olivier Vernon. And those two guys were extremely active in helping the Giants stop the run. So you could tell me all you want about the linebacker play. I would say the reason why they were so stingy against the run was because how effective the guys up front, the defensive linemen, were active in helping to slow down the running game. It wasn't so much just the linebackers. I've seen a lot of issues on the edges, to be honest with you. I think the interior guys have been okay. I think there have been some issues with the guys not setting the edge properly. That's something Olivier Vernon and JPP, by the way, are both really good at when they were playing their best football. And I think we've seen Ocean Zimenez get turned in a couple times on, on that left edge. And, you know, the tackling coming up in the secondary and the linebacker position has been suspect at times this year. So, uh, to me, those are the issues. Uh, look, B.J. Goodson's not fixing problems here. I mean, no, no just not. Yeah, uh, you can't just no. pin it on one guy. No, 201. 939-4513. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's up next. Hey, Joe. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah, this game I'm looking at, I'm, I, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm setting these guys down. And and, and you know what Paul was saying? You know, uh, maybe there's an argument that Leonard Williams is our best defensive player r right off the bat. Well, c could you argue with that? I mean, I said that about yeah, two we minutes into the show, earlier. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, that's what I mean. With them defensive linemen we have, I'd put them four studs up front and stop the run. And then our safeties and linebackers and that, keep the stuff in front of us. Make them earn it. Not these 30 yards Joe, down the field. Joe, what, what four defensive linemen are you playing across the front? Uh, I, I ain't going to name them right off the bat there. Uh, uh, Let's, let's well, you, you're going to play Dex, B.J. Hill, Tomlinson, and Leonard Williams. That's my guess that he means. Right. I'll play them up there that, yeah. that's against do the you, run. That stop the run Do you first, not want to get any sacks ever? <laughs> Let them go down the field okay, zero if they sacks. beat us on the pass, but keep it in front of us. We've been giving up. That's why Ogletree was so pissed off, excuse me, last week and called that meeting, you know, you, you're missed assignments. This is halfway through the season. Receivers are running free. Keep it in front of us. If we have to play a simple zone or so and make them earn it and get that tackle. If they go eight plays, ten plays down the field, okay. Make up, earn it. And then on offense there, That's the fair. same thing. Let's try to run the ball, not be putting us ourselves in, you know, getting sacked in, in with goofy penalties and stuff like that. And then they're coming after us. And, you know, it's stupid. It, that's what's killing us. So let's let's play some disciplined ball. That's the key, really and truly. Let's see if we can do that. We haven't done that this year. No, Joe, look, you're right. And when the Giants have played their best defense this year, they've played the way you've described it. I'm not going to agree with playing four defensive tackles across the front. I don't think that works. But I do agree with your point. 
where the Giants have their best shot this year is when they prevent the big plays and simply keep things in front of them and try to tackle well. Now, they haven't tackled right. well like they At should. Least that you're going to make them earn it. Not no, but, 20, you know, it's all past 20 yeah. yards. He runs another uh, No, but Joe, yards. here's the thing. Betcher has called the defenses that call for that. I mean, I was talking with Carl Banks about this on, on, on our podcast earlier in the week, and the defense they had called when Marvin Hall caught that 48-yard pass across the back end of the defense was a four-deep defense. It was literally designed to stop the play that Marvin Hall caught for the touchdown. It was literally designed to stop it, but like you said, DeAndre Baker blows an assignment, and it turns into a big play. So right. you're right. You can't offense, have those. I want to give the ball to Barkley. If I give it to him two, three times in a row to, to try to get the first down, instead of going back and passing, and then they have us in, in long situations and stuff like that, and they're coming after us, and then Daniel Jones is losing the ball. Let's play discipline and know our assignments. Let's me see that one game, will you please? Right. You know. Thank you, Joe. And, yeah. and all I want to ask is, there was a player we cut earlier in the beginning of training camp and he had some kind of criminal thing. I seen the charges were dropped against oh, him. Cameron Moore. Cameron Moore, yeah. Is there a chance he may come back to us? Or? Don't know, Joe. Good question. I don't know the answer to that. Appreciate the call. Uh, I think at this point of the season, bringing him back, you know, I'm not sure if, you know what, how it's helping you. Um, to the Barkley point, look, Barkley did not run the ball well against Detroit. And again, the team didn't run the ball well. I'm not putting that on Saquon. The team, the offensive line, all the blockers. 19 rushes, 60-something yards. In the second half, I believe he had nine rushes for 18 yards in that game or something ridiculous like that. Uh, there just simply was not a lot of room. They tried to run the ball. It just wasn't there. And I got to tell you, and we'll talk more about this on Monday, I looked at some of the breakdowns of Dallas's third-down defense, Lance. Do you know they have not allowed a third down and 10 or more yards yet this year? Well, Zero. And third downs of more than seven yards, 7% conversion rate against them. So you better get it into third and short. Because if you're in third and long, it ain't working. It's basically like the New England third down defense who the Giants already face. New England's number one in the NFL, and they are stopping teams at a ridiculous rate, 80 opportunities for opponents across the board, regardless of what the down and distance is, and teams have only converted 21 times. That's 26%. That's second in the NFL. I mean, that's how effective the Dallas Cowboys have been. So you're right. You know, down and distance is going to be important in this game. I don't think necessarily, though, to Joe's point, it's just give the ball to Barkley and run the football because Barkley was effective as a receiver against the Lions, John, and dumping it off to Barkley and you get four or five yards is an extension of the run game. So nobody's saying you got to hand it off to Barkley. The point is you get the ball in his hands, you get a positive play so that to your point, third down is not third and nine. Instead, it's more like third and five. Yeah, the key is have success on first and yeah. second down, no matter how you do it. If that's a screen pass, a dump off, a little slant route. Look, the Cowboys play a lot of zone, so they're going to give up some stuff underneath. You have to be patient. They don't take the ball away. Daniel Jones has to protect the football. They have fast linebackers. And you, I'm surprised their pass rush numbers overall aren't better. Quinn's been great. Demarcus Lawrence doesn't have the sack numbers. He has all the pressures and quarterback hits you would want. Malik Collins has had a good year of defensive tackle. Now they had Michael Bennett. So this reminds me a little bit of the front you saw against Arizona when you go in and the statistics don't wow you. But then you look at the personnel and you're like, oh boy, this could be a real problem. That's what this reminds me of a little bit because it's going to be real difficult for that Giants offensive line. Well, the unit is also getting healthier too because they're coming off a bye. So, you know, they've had some guys in and out of the lineup over the last few weeks. Uh, Antoine Woods is another defensive interior lineman who uh, had missed a few games. Is he's he back? Been, he's been back in the mix. And some of the guys in the secondary, um, specifically Anthony Brown. So, you know, when you, you take into consideration – uh, a number of these guys, that may be why maybe some of the numbers on the pressure situations haven't necessarily added up over the course of this season. Though Dallas, I would argue, even in some previous years, their sack totals haven't necessarily been impressive. It hasn't necessarily taken away from their defensive unit overall being effective. But Arizona is an interesting comparison 
to the Cowboys where, you know, maybe you look at the numbers, they've struggled, Patrick Peterson returns, they're much better than they showcase so far on paper. Well, he struggled yesterday. He did, he had his roughest Mm -hmm. game. Well, he's certainly in a struggle against the Giants, I'll tell you that. So, you know, for people that claim it's rust, well, how did he look good maybe over the first two games that he returned, then all of a sudden in the third game, I just think, hey, sometimes you go up against certain personnel, it's a bad matchup, or you're just not on the same page. And yeah, more often than not, Patrick Peterson was playing from behind last night, so that was a, a big surprising development from that front. Scott of New Mexico's up next. He's on line two. Scott, what's going on, pal? Hey, how's everything going, guys? Good, Scott. Uh, Lance, uh, load up on the chicken soup. Well, that's what I've been doing throughout the week. I can assure you oh, that. Okay, good. Yes, thank you, Doug. <laughs> I, I listened to your analysis, and the reason I like to call on you guys are on, you're both spot on, I think, on a number of points that you make. But I tend to oversimplify things. I look at points scored and points allowed. I have two points, actually. But points scored and points allowed usually are a good indicator of how your season's going. It is. And I took the first eight games of 2018 compared to the season now. In 2018, we allowed the opposition to score 205 points. We scored 150. This year, we've allowed the opposition to score 218 points, and we scored 158 the percentile is virtually identical. So I'm asking both of you, if, if you're seeing that kind of, from year to year, the same scenario developing, do you make a case that the team's regressing instead of progressing, or are there too many other variables that come into that formula uh, that would indicate that this is not uh, you know, a, a true variance? Uh, because it's uncanny how close you are to, you know, what happened last year to what happened this year over the first eight games thus far. Well, I would definitely say you're not regressing if the numbers are the same, right? So I, I think you can take well, actually that. actually you are because if you're, if you're not doing any better, you're in actuality moving backwards the way I look at it. So that's why I okay. made the point. Well, that's not mathematically true, though. You can, you can, be, you can be static, which means you're in yeah. the same general position. That's um, true, right. Exactly. Right. So... Uh, no, I don't think they're regressing. Has there been the progress you wanted to see in the first half of this year compared to the first half of last year? No, I mean, they're 2-6. and six. Now, you know, so some of the games on the schedule have been tough. I get that, but that's not an excuse. Um, and you would like to see more. Look, going into the year, this is how I'd look at it. My expectation was that the defense was going to be problematic, and that has proven to be the case, and the offense right. is going to have to carry you. Now, Unfortunately for the offense, I think the offensive line has played just about where I thought it would play. It's been okay, but not great, which, you know, kind of middle of the league, you know, average type of thing, which is fine. That's what you wanted. Uh, Then you take a look at the other spots on the offensive side of the ball. You've had a lot of injuries. You had Tate suspension. You had Shepard out. Ingram missed a game. Barkley missed three or four games. I think that's a big deal. If you have that group fully healthy, you probably have another win in there. And you'd, have okay. a, and you'd have a bunch of more points scored, at least in my opinion. And then there's the point that you went to the rookie quarterback. You know, say what, right. you, want, say what you want about Eli Manning. He was not going to have what, 13 turnovers in six games or whatever it was. He's not going to do that. Now, Daniel Jones might do other things better, but Manning's not going to turn the ball over like that either. So I, I think it is. there are a lot of different variables where it's hard to really you know put your finger on it because that's how football is, and that's why it's such a fun game. Right. But I think it is fair to say you haven't seen the progress you would have liked to have seen simply based on production, the numbers, and where the team is now compared to where they were at the halfway point last year. I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, My last point, and again, I'll take this off the air. Uh, uh, Daniel Jones right now has been sacked uh, seven times. Uh, Actually, yeah, seven times. uh, In one game? Well, he's been sacked more than that, Scott. Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to make sure I got my statistic right. But actually, he's been sacked in seven games 21 times. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds right. So, yeah. which, which averages out about three sacks a game. That's not what really disturbs me. Uh, what disturbs me is the amount of yardage they've lost, which is 158 yards in total, which averages out to about eight yards per sack. Now, if you're starting, I'll make it analogous to what I do. I do target shooting out here in New Mexico, so I'm mm-hmm. using handguns at a certain distance. And I, you know exponentially it gets harder if you get further away from your target. So if you're equating it to a first down and you're starting out eight yards behind the eight ball, so to speak, how in blazes can you correct that? And 
have the offensive line or whoever is doing the assignments not have that variable into your thing because if you're using losing that much yardage then if it's first and 18 or second and 18 you know as, as i'm explaining it gets harder and harder to get to the first downs which you really need to have so i was wondering if you think these these situations are correctable because the amount of yardage you're well, losing be. is quite substantial and so uh, that was my point uh, and i'll glad to take your answers off the air guys thanks, thanks scott yes yeah, scott thanks for weighing in Daniel Jones is the type of quarterback that likes to extend plays. So I think part of it goes back to the decision-making, John, that you and I were talking about. When you hold on to the football a little too long, you're exposing yourself to more hits. When you roll out of the pocket and then you're running backwards, you're trying to allow the personnel down the field to get open. So one way to correct that is just throw away the football, live to see another day, give up on the play, which is what we see Kyler Murray do. He'll just go down, even though last night was not very a good demonstration of that. He actually lost more yardage than I think he could have avoided in the long run on some of his sacks. But that, to me, would be one way to counter and not lose as much yardage. But, you know, remember, it's not just the sacks. There were times where, John, I think it was the last game before the Lions against the Cardinals. When, when Barkley ran twat right? backwards twice. And, yep. You know, and, and that, to me, is basically, right, the equivalency of a sack. Sure it is. Right? He's running backwards. Hey, you know what? Just go down. And, and by the way, he admitted after the game that he went back into some old bad college habits. habits. Correct. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He hit it right on the nose. And we saw that in college. We talked about it leading up to the draft. So, to me, it's not just the quarterback of the sacks, I, I think it's the running game and everybody being a little bit more well-disciplined and understanding field position and when to just give up on a play and move towards the progress of the next play. Yeah, I agree. And it's not holding the ball as much. It, it's making quick, fast decisions and getting the ball out. And sometimes that means you might miss an opportunity down the field, but in the long run, that's what you have to do. I mean, Tom Brady and Drew Brees don't necessarily maximize big plays down the field. They do maximize limiting negative plays, yeah. whether it's turnovers or sacks and things like that, which is why when people continuously wanted to, you know, kill Eli Mann and call him Mr. Checkdown, well, there's a reason he's doing that sort of stuff. Not that it was right in every situation and he couldn't have been more aggressive, but there is a balance you have to strike between being ultra-aggressive to the point where it turns into too many negative plays for your team that prevents you from winning to being too conservative. And there's there's a nice window in there where you're supposed to be, and it might take Daniel Jones the rest of the year, maybe even another year, to find that zone. Some guys never find the zone. Jameis Winston still can't find that zone. Yeah, he's He can't. That's just the way he is. Heck, when Eli was at his best, he probably erred on the side of being too aggressive sometimes. He won Super Bowls doing that, though. You'd rather have a guy that's too aggressive than, than a guy that's just going to be, you know, pre-Chiefs Alex Smith where he's throwing a bunch of four-yard passes and he's never putting the ball down the field. I'll take the more aggressive guy, but you can't have more than two. If you're a quarterback, you cannot be responsible on average for more than two turnovers a game. You just can't. Well, not going to win. Uh, the other thing I would point out, and this goes back to the idea of complementary football, when Eli was, you know, winning those Super Bowls, I think also he had the luxury of a defense, sure, that was not struggling as much as this current defensive unit is, or I should say, over the last few seasons, with the exception of 2016. And I think yeah, you'd have to speak to every individual quarterback, John. And I'm not saying this was Eli's philosophy, but I think you're willing as an offensive coordinator, maybe as a head coach, to take a few more chances when you know your defense is probably more often than not going to make the necessary stop, hold the opposition to a field goal as opposed to a touchdown. When you're now in a situation where you're giving up explosive plays, you're not getting off the field on third down, yeah, you better hold on to that football because every possession is that much more critical and that much more important to at least walk away with some points. And the Giants right now, every time they turn the ball over, they're sacrificing a possession. They're also sacrificing a lengthy drive, which is what you were touching on in terms of when you're a quarterback living to see another down, living to see another play. Tom Brady and Drew Brees maximize possessions, I would say. Forget the scoring. They maximize lengthy drives by not having those negative plays, by not exposing their team to that. So, you know, that's the other thing that I think changes and gives flexibility to a quarterback. How's the defense performing? How's the special teams performing? Big Wheel Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Back to the phones. Big Ed is in Maryland. What's going on, Big Ed? 
What's up, guys? Can you hear me really good? Loud and clear, big man. All right, all right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have the great John and the great Lance in with the big Edster coming to you live. What is this, Howard Cosell we all of a sudden? We're going to have one heck of a Monday night extravaganza with the incomparable Dak Prescott just bombing away. <laughs> well, this is turn. Ed, you're usually, hold on, you're Mr. Optimistic every time you call in. That was a curveball I was not expecting. Look, 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 I'm not finished. Then we have the Atrobutural. Just let him the go. The incomparable, the future Super Bowl New York Giant winning quarterback, Daniel, throw it on the dime jump. If he got it there to throw it to you, we got to do just that. And how do we win football games in the NFL? We throw it deep. The deeper we throw it, the further we can win it. I don't think they catch it. Throw it deep anyway. We need all the pass interference. And <laughs> you're funny, man. Uh, you got anything else for us, dude? <laughs> hey, guys, look, I'm sorry I didn't make the other game. I wasn't financially ready to make that one, but I intend to be there Monday night nice. live. Yeah, stop by. Say hi. Yeah. only way to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, guys, but look, um, y'all can answer this. Sure. Because everybody's going to keep talking about it until it's stopped talking about. Oh, yeah, tell Lynn because he's on after me. Uh, Lynn, I love you, bro. How does he know <laughs> There's a Wait, place called Ed. Blowfish in, in Beltsville. You can come to that. That's a Giants uh, bar. We watch the Giants. Giants big in there. But anyway, yeah, guys, um, man, everybody's been talking. They're going to keep talking. So be quiet and let us play football. Let them guys play football. We got to have the plan. If he works the plan right and he does it right, I'm going to tell you like this. We win against Dallas, I'm cool with Coach. We lose against Dallas without poor execution. For uh, preparation, hey, it, it, no, no more playing around. Nah, you gotta go because we don't need a losing quarterback. I mean, a losing coach. We got to have a winning coach. How how else do winning coaches win? By winning, they, they got to win games, and you got to be able to coach amazing every analysis of the Mind game. Blowing. Every five minutes, every five minutes counts. You got to be able to coach every piece of the game till the end. Thank you, Big Ed. We got to run, pal. Hey, I appreciate I, it. I love guys. See you guys in a minute. Love you too, right. buddy. Sounds good. See you on Monday night. How does he know Len's going to follow him? I don't him? know, but he that actually is, bizarre. which is the funny thing. No, but that was such a bizarre <laughs> statement for him to just make out of the blue. Oh, I know Len is going to be on right after me. I mean, which he's on No, I, I get that, but I just want to know. No, there's no way he could know. What's going on? I mean, did they coordinate phone calls or something? Just very interesting. That may have been the most insightful statement, I think. Yes, and remember, the there are there are winning coaches that lose a lot of games because he doesn't have enough talent. Of course, yeah. And once again, I don't think necessarily it's synonymous with a team not being well-prepared if they don't necessarily execute accordingly. You know, sometimes it's a guy that's been told by his coaches, be in this position, anticipate this play, John, and then you know what? It just doesn't get to the point where you wrap the guy around enough and you bring him down and he gets out of your tackle and that could all of a sudden be a game-changing play. We've For seen example, it more often than not. To start that Lions game, the, the refrain we kept getting on Monday, the guys came out, they weren't ready to play. Yeah, after the significant time off or whatever it may be. Yeah, well, so you're telling me Saquon Barkley wasn't ready to play because he's the reason they went down 13 nothing because he blew a pass protection. So you're telling me that's on Saquon Barkley, one of the more conscientious, better-prepared players that I've ever seen here wasn't ready to play. I don't believe that. I don't believe it. He just executed the play poorly. He made a mistake. He made an ME, a mental error. It happens. Doesn't mean they're not ready to play. Just because, you know, it's like classic in baseball. Oh, the team was so lethargic. They couldn't score any runs. They had no energy. Well, do you know why they were lethargic and they had no energy? Because they couldn't get a damn hit because the pitcher was really good. So they look lethargic because they can't get any hits. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's a cause and effect thing. Just, you know, I don't know. To me, this is, you know, it's much more about other stuff than, than that. I think it's a easy thing to say that's very broad and easy to look at based on what you see, but in the end, it really doesn't mean anything. So what? The guys weren't prepared to play the game, but eight minutes in, they're like, oh, now, now we're ready to go. Yeah. I mean, come on. That doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, it reminds me of a 
really earth-shattering conversation we've had earlier this season that the defense was motivated to play because of the change of what happened to that by the uh, way i'm still once again trying to get to the bottom of that and we will keep you posted every single day here on big blue kickoff live i can assure you we've got a lot of people working around the clock to figure that one out but that's what it reminds me of it, it, yeah. that type of a conversation 201-939-4513 to, to quote big ed Lennon maryland is up next well, hey that's some transition what's up len <laughs> hey guys hey big ed thanks always a privilege to follow you I'll get into the archives and check out the name of that bar. I didn't quite catch it. Maybe I'll see you for the Jets game. And uh, we got to figure out a way to get in touch. I'm, I can maybe I can set you up with some, you know, set you up with some tickets. Okay. Hey guys, good to see you. Uh, or good to talk to you. I should oh, say. Both? Good to see you yes. too. As I'm watching you on the. There you go. On the thing. Listen, this is uh, you know gonna, probably going to start out a little negative, but I'm going to end right. up positive. I promise you. Go ahead. Um, Jalapeno is starting at center for one reason and one reason only. He's the best center on the team. This coach isn't stupid. He's going to play his best players. Yes. I, 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 would, I would imagine that the <laughs> phone, with the, number of, with the number of injuries that have taken place to centers and in the NFL, I would imagine that our phone is not ringing off the hook with people trying to trade for Pulley. Well, that wasn't a negative statement. I think Jalapio I, I think Jalapio is he's just the best center on the team. All right. Secondly, um, on the comment about mm-hmm. Barkley, uh, you were talking about Jalapeno missing a block, or it was really Barkley's fault. General rule of thumb, Saquon, you deliver the block. You don't <laughs> absorb and the block. You make a good point. He had that block later in the game where he tried to block Jared Davis, and he just got completely run over. And by the way, it was either the play before or after that. He failed to block a cornerback coming on a blitz. And Barkley's somebody that's been really good in pass protection. He was a disaster in that area against the Lions. Oh, absolutely. Well, what was it you got, r- you related know, John, to that? Didn't Wayne well, Coleman have that? I hope he too? does. Yeah. I mean, you know, but blocking's about delivering with power, no, not right. absorbing. 100%. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, come on. I mean, ridiculous. Look, um, I, I, you know, I buy into your uh, analysis, John, of the negativity about the trade for Williams. By the way, I'm, I'm real positive on that trade. Real positive on that trade. I, I think before player. he plays a game with us, he's a, he's one of our top ten players. Yeah, I mean, how can sure. you turn that down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, the third round and uh, a third round draft choice is just a number. I mean, it's just a number. No, it's a player. You know, it's seventy six or it's 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 the number three okay. pick. There's no name associated with. You know, I I want the proven guy. I you know I indeed like that that trade, mm-hmm. but I think there's more to the trade at this time, John. How so? I think these owners are getting antsy. By the way, and I'll go on record now if I haven't done it already, I'm a big Mara fan. I'm siding with him every time. I'm a big Mara guy. So I'm siding with him. We've lost 30 of our last 40 games. You know, you say that over again and you say to yourself, oh, my God, that's awful. It is. In our 95-year history, I haven't done the research on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right on this. In our 95-year history, in a, in a 40, any 40-game 40 sequence, we haven't lost 30 of them in 95 years. Maybe in the 70s, yeah, Len? Len I, maybe in the uh, 70s? I don't know yeah, for sure. Be, I haven't looked at it I would either. have to go. I'm telling you, I'm doing that off the top of my head, So, but I'm just saying that I can't imagine. And even around the league, you're not going to find many instances in the 100-year history of the NFL that a team loses 30 out of 40 games. That's terrible. And well, I Len, there, there is the a point. franchise you know, known as the Cleveland Browns, by I'm the sorry, way. Go ahead, John. I said there's a franchise known as the Cleveland Browns the last time I checked, Len. I find that hard to believe okay. that no other team okay. has toyed hey, with hey, that. Lance, they hey, were 1-31. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Lance, Lance, yeah. thanks for finding one. Okay. Well, but oh, you, you, you put the Giants on an island, Len. So, I, 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 I mean, the I, bottom I, line is you've you got to provide well, perspective I, in this I'll conversation. Just to make sure we're both right. Well, one of us is right. I'll go back and check on that. Well, Len, real quick, Len, real quick. I, well, I, I, again, I haven't looked at the forty-game span, but in seventy-three, the Giants went two eleven and one, and in seventy-four, they went two and twelve. So I got to imagine the thirty games surrounding that forty games surrounding that era probably might have been a little bit worse. But I think that might be the only one. All right, give me the two years so I don't have to dig too far. Yeah, 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 it was nineteen seventy-three and nineteen seventy-four. Boy, those were awful teams. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. 
Uh, boy, Hans Barger as coach. Uh, maybe he took over in 74. 74, sure, yep, 74, yeah, you got were, it. Those were, those were, it may have been the end of Alex, Alex Webster's uh, yep. tenure, but Correct. those were bad teams. But, but I'll check. But we're, what would, so let me, let me, just in case all of that works out in your favor, um, let, let, let's your just point say, stands, okay, your point but stands. There's, very few, there's very few instances. Correct, okay? that's fair, that's fair. I, I thought the turnaround, I, you know, I really thought we would begin to see the growth of this thing. And I think Mr. Mara and Mr. Tish probably felt the same way with, with the Arizona game. I mean, we're not playing the iron of the league. We're playing at home. You know all the thing about 3,000 miles. Um, and, and then we got a mid-level team in Detroit the next week. And then, then we got the Cowboys on Monday night. Uh, you know, okay. Uh, and, but then we got the Jets coming up. I think, you know, I'm looking at three out of four out of that sequence. But it's not happening. You know, look, enough is enough. You start making some trades. I think this is all about winning and winning now. It's not about signing them for next year and integrating them into the defense. By the way, with Buchanan and with Williams, and if Beal comes back, and if Shepard plays on Sunday. By the way, do we know anything about Shepard? Uh, I, I think it's looking up, but he, he is not officially cleared concussion protocol yet, as far as I understand. This is going to be the best 46 people we have put on the field in the last 40 games. Yeah, I think it's you're probably not, right. Well, yeah, from a health good, perspective, yeah. All of that falls into place. This is not a bad roster. Let's start turning this around. I'm looking at 5-3 and three in the second half of the season. Yeah, that'd be nice. Enough is enough. Yes. Sounds good, Len. Thank you. All right, Len. Go. Good stuff. I think we'd love to see that. Cleveland Browns, by the way, 3-13, and 1-15, and 0-16 oh from 2015-17. to 17. I don't even need to add that up. I can tell you they didn't even get to 10 wins. That'll be 4-44. and 44. There you go. Yeah. So there's been other franchises that have struggled immensely. You probably look at the Detroit Lions. Remember, the Lions had a winless season too. So it's not just necessarily one franchise. There's been rough patches for a number of teams. And oh, by the way, a lot of those other teams did not win two Super Bowls in a very short period of time. So that's what perspective's all about. I got a bad feeling about this. Hallelujah. Losing his mind. Mr. Illness. He wasn't right in the hat. <laughs> what is this, the first time he's calling in in about a decade? He called last week. Oh, he did? He called last week? Well, he didn't call when I was now, on. No, it's funny. I'll tell I'm, you that. Charlie, I'm not sure who complains about you more, Lance <laughs> or Russ. You are on the top of both of their <laughs> lists right now, and all I get is complaints about you from those two guys. <laughs> Hey, Russ loves me. No, he doesn't. Oh, trust me. me. The last call, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was his what, best friend. What do we owe oh, the pleasure? Now, now Wait, not. what do we owe this right. pleasure, Charlie? What'd you get, lonely <laughs> today all of a sudden? You wanted to speak to other human beings in person and not on social media? <laughs> hey, Lance, that guy who called before and he was talking about Pulley and Jalapio, he wasn't talking about experience in the league. He was talking about experience at the position of center. That's what he was talking about. Pulley has more experience at center than Jalapino has. Okay. That's all he was saying. Well, but he didn't, he didn't specify that, and it's still oh, not you wrong. Knew that's what he no, was I didn't. I actually did not know. But ha- no, Jalapio <laughs> has been a professional football player longer than Spencer Pulley in terms of years. He may not have as many starts, but he's been around in professional football longer than Pulley. Yeah, but so, he was talking about the position. Okay, well, once again, but he didn't, he didn't necessarily specify that. So when I heard I that, know, I, I just know. thought that was a little misleading. Hey, sometimes you have to read between the lines. Well, I guess so this is why you called in. At, you man. called in to clarify a phone call about what happened 45 minutes ago. Thanks for playing catch-up on Big Blue Kickoff Live today. Well, I had to wait online for an hour. Which is so a good thing go. for the sake of us as well as the rest of the listeners and viewers. <laughs> Glad you clarified that. What else is on the plate today that we need okay. to address here? I think they should put Beal on now and not wait. And you're going to say, well, who are they going to take off? Well, we've got this guy Downs that has never played a down that we just brought up on the practice court. We've got this guy Peace, who I don't even think has gotten a shirt or played. Maybe Actually, he was active team. last week. See, Charlie, the, hold yeah, on. Charlie, you just disrespected Chris Peace. He was active last week because I didn't read him in the inactives list. How many so snaps you, did he So play? you now owe him an apology. I want to hear you apologize to Chris Peace right did here he on Big Blue Kickoff. Well, all I'm saying is he was active and he received a uniform, <laughs> okay. and you said he but didn't I get a uniform. Smith wasn't activated. And 
I know Downs wasn't activated because he just got brought up. I All bring I'm up Chris Pease, you change the conversation to, to another player. You gotta love this. Beal needs to be on the 53. But well, I know okay. they won't do it. Well, Charlie, next, well, Charlie to your week. point, to your point, let's say Beal's on the 53, okay? Yeah. Where's he playing? Where would I play him? Yeah. I would play him Center. in in, <laughs> in the slot, or I'd play he's him not a slot, slot player. I would I would play him in the slot, or I would, you know, if Baker's having a rough day, I would put him out there. I would do something with him. I'd put him on special teams too. The guy needs to play. He was a third round pick in a supplemental draft. No, we I need get to it. put him on the field. No, I, look, and, and oh, when he and, when, and when he's ready, I'm sure they'll put him out there. Uh, yeah, when he's ready, he's ready. What do you want the guy to do? Well, they have until Wednesday of next week, as we mentioned. So there's no guarantee yeah, he gets activated for this game. He could very well be active for the Jets game. They well, may just be I'm, waiting I'm, out the window. I'm sure he would be. And let me just tell you what Paul was was saying, because I listened to the call. Charlie's the translator for everybody was, today. They should go to a four-man front. He didn't say they had to do it the first play, but put... Leonard and your best line out there, and then use Golden as the fifth guy that can rush the passer. So you got Golden, you got Williams, you got Tomlinson, you got Hill, and you got who's the oh Lawrence. So you got your best players up front, and that will stop the run. <coughs> Zeke Elliott. That's what he was trying to say. Now, he was thinking that is the best way to go. Right, but but Charlie, here's the problem. Not but Charlie, and I. Has the Giants' biggest problem on defense been stopping the run? Yeah, or has, or they're has been... 22nd in the league stopping the run. Well, where are they against the pass, Charlie? <laughs> well, but that, you know, but... Facts that, 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 <laughs> biggest threat is the run. It's the Elliott. you got to stop him first. Charlie, I have them passing all over They're the place. 25th against the pass. Charlie, I, I have a question for you. Where do the Cowboys rank in passing yards per game? Uh, probably they're up in the top 10. They are third. third yeah. Okay, what are they in the rushing fourth. department? Fourth. Is it? Okay, fourth. I think that's a little, that's pretty good. Don't, isn't it always like one-on-one football, stop the run first? Well, you got to stop Elliott. No, Charlie, you know what? Not anymore. With, 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 with all due respect to the old school guys out there, it's not anymore. Because if all you, right. because, no, think about it. If you're a really good defensive team, the most important thing you can do is stop the other team from passing the football. Not to say you can be bad against the run, but if you're an average run-defending team and an awesome pass-defending team, you're going to be a terrific defense. If you're a really good run-defending team and just an average pass-defending team, you're going to be an average run. You're going to be an average overall defense. The way the league works now, with it being such a pass-heavy game, you could. And this here's why, Charlie. I'm going to break it down real simple. Let's say the team runs on first and second down and you play to your three-yard per carry average and you're a really good uh, run defense, right? It's third and four. If you can't defend the pass, yeah. you're not stopping third and four. You're not. The guy's getting the first down anyway. So well, they're probably running, too. No, 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 <laughs> but, no, but here's... No, but, no, no, well, no, Charlie, if you, the best run defenses in the league allow three yards per carry. So okay. that's what it is. So third and four, or heck, let's say you only give up two yards. You, let, let's say you're third and six. If you're a really bad pass defense, the other team's going to convert that. And what did your great run defense do for you? It did absolutely nothing. So to me, and look, I'm happy Paul's on here, but he'll try to slam my face against the wall and lose <laughs> no, his damn mind. Uh, oh, thanks, Charlie. I appreciate it. Yeah, Charlie me. takes notes. But the bottom line now is that in, in, in the league these days, now we were done with the McKenzie, but don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we're not losing sleep no, over we're that not, one. No, not at all. Um, one, of, one of the best drop call decisions you've ever made. <laughs> The history of Big Blue Kickoff Live. <laughs> the, the bottom line, look, Lance, please disagree with me if you do. But well, I'll disagree me, just for the sake the, of disagreeing. Bo- sure. well, that, yeah. well, that's like your favorite thing in the world to do. But the bottom line is if you can't pa- stop the pass in this league anymore, the rest of it doesn't matter. Just look at how the Patriots have built their defense. Where do they put all their resources into? Yeah, secondary. They we put it all the into the secondary. And let me ask you this. When guys get big money in free agency, who are the guys that get big money? Is it the guys that affect the run game or the guys that affect the pass game? Offensively, who's getting the big money? Is it the guys that affect the pass game or is it guys that affect the run game? It's always the guys that affect the pass game. And again, not that it's not important. 
not to be bad stopping the run or be bad running the ball. You have to be average at those things, I think, to be balanced. But you don't have to be great at it anymore. No, you could get away with being in the middle of the pack. I think you could go to two perfect examples. First of all, the last game against the Lions, John, the Giants shut down the Lions' run game. They shut them down. 25 times for 59 yards. The Lions only averaged 2.5, 2.4 yards per carry. And then what happened? Matthew Stafford had a field day through the area and had 240-plus yard touchdown. So here's the point. You did good. You stopped the Lions' run game. You made them somewhat one-dimensional, but they still were able to have success. Here's another great example. Let's go back to 2016, John, because that was a time where the Giants had one of the best rushing defenses in the NFL that year. They were top five unit, if memory serves me correctly. And then you got to the playoffs, so you played Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and what happens? DRC goes out, and Aaron Rodgers goes to the air and carves up the Giants' defense. So you said to yourself, hey, we were great at stopping the run. Okay, so the Packers adjusted and went to the air, and you had no answer. So those examples, both one current and one a few years ago when you had a very respectable run defense, just goes to show you the team adjusted, had success through the air, nobody had an answer on the Giants' defense, and the facts show that they came out on the wrong side of those games. So you need to have good cover guys or guys that hustle and know how to make necessary tackles in open space in order to make up for perhaps some of the other facets of your defense where there's some shortcomings. And right now, unfortunately, the Giants just are not showcasing enough balance in those departments. I mean, the top rush defense in the league is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, there you go. But here's another thing to take into consideration. Why do you think the Bucs are a good rushing defense? Well, because teams just pass against them there all the time. There you go. They can't so, stop that, the pass. so that and number by the way, doesn't why, tell the whole story. And by the way, why do you think the Patriots are so good against the run? Do you know why? Because they go up in all these games, and all teams can do is pass because they're down yeah, by so many yeah. points. It's a big part of it. And it's that's all about not to game take, flow. Yeah, it's not to take any credit away from any of those teams. No, but of course not. statistics alone need context because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, yeah, the big reason why their rushing defense is good because everybody's saying to themselves, yeah, they can't stop the pass. We don't need to run the football. We're just going to throw against them, and therefore your rushing totals are low because you— lean so heavily on the arm strength and the decision-making of your quarterback. Yet, let me go through the top three pass defenses in the league. The 49ers, the Patriots, and the Bills. And what are those? Three of the best defenses in football. Yeah. They just are. And consistent defenses, too, I would argue. All right, we'll be back with you on Monday on Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. Lance Meadow, John Schmelk will continue to preview Giants and Cowboys to do a full-throated preview on Monday. We'll have Mickey Spagnuolo from DallasCowboys.com as well. Getting ready for the Giants and Cowboys on Monday Night Football. What does that mean this weekend, folks? It means you have time to watch other NFL games and anything else you want to do. So enjoy it. Hope everybody had a happy Halloween. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmelk. We'll see you on Monday. Enjoy your weekend. Have a good one.